The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord, be on my mind, be on my lips, and in my heart. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, Love your enemies. Jesus says it even with a thundering voice, you hear. <laughs> Sorry about that. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them. And lend, expect nothing back, expecting nothing back then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. What do you think? Don't raise your hand, but myself included. How many of us really live up to this Gospel passage? 
This is as hard as it gets. This is as radical as it gets. And you know what? Jesus isn't really just saying, here's some suggestions. Right? You know the context. This is actually the Sermon on the Plain, comparable in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. We asked it last week, we heard the Beatitudes. Jesus is laying out the principles of his kingdom. The second reading talks about an earthly person and a heavenly person. What Jesus is saying is that in this world, if the children of God don't look any different than the people of the world, then something's not right. There is an earthly way to look at things, and there's a heavenly way to work, look at things, and they don't agree. And to the world, the heavenly way looks foolish. He's giving the heavenly way. It's so radical that, I have to admit, my plan for the most of this week was not to preach, but just to read it one more time. Because anything I say has the danger of watering down Jesus' words. But I didn't stick with that plan. But I would challenge you to later today take this passage home and read it and pray on it. And as I do that, it continues to convict me. But I did want to say a few words because I think some things it would help to understand. I want to start out with an example that isn't the best, but I just feel like telling it. Back when I was in high school, I had a situation that I didn't understand at the time. My uncle, was, I grew up in Detroit, and so my uncle from California, who I hadn't seen much, was visiting. It was my mother's sister's husband. And I knew it, and I never heard anyone say anything really bad about my uncle. God rest his soul. But I knew that they weren't real happy with him. And one day when he was over at my grandma's house, his mother-in-law, my mom and I went to visit. We walked over because they lived close. And during a conversation, he was saying, oh, I like your shirt. And my mom, it was actually a Banlon shirt. I don't know if you remember the 70s, polyester. But my mom said, oh, would you like it? And he said, yes. And she went into the bathroom, took it off, still her undergarments, put on her coat because it was still spring, came out and gave it to him. And on the way home, here's my mother, dressed in that with nothing on, basically underneath and I was humiliated, and I was angry, and I didn't understand how someone could be that weak to let someone walk over him like that. I didn't realize it at the time, but this was one of my mother's enemies. And she was trying to show him the extent of his self-centeredness. 
She was trying, I think, to follow this gospel passage, literally. Now, I don't think it changed him. It didn't really work, I don't think. Next day I went back there, he was happily wearing his shirt. But it did say something to me that I didn't understand at the time. What Jesus is saying is that we are in a world where there is good and evil. We are in a world where there are problems. And when you encounter that, how are you going to respond? How should we respond? I think he's saying you need to do it in ways that try to show others how ugly evil really is. Bring it into the light. Never respond to evil with evil. So Jesus goes on to say, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn and offer the other. Perhaps you know the context. The context probably is because Rome occupied the territory and they were brutal oppressors. And in Matthew's gospel, especially Jesus says the words are, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and offer the other, implies a backhand. This is really probably talking about an insult. And the Roman government and their soldiers would constantly insult the persons they occupied, trying to get them to retaliate so that they could escalate and be more cruel. That's the nature of evil. Evil seeks to create more evil. And if someone hits with the backhand and insults, if someone insults us, it's wrong. But how are we going to respond? If we insult back, it might be more understandable, but it's still wrong. So Jesus is saying, don't respond to evil with evil, but find a way to help bring the evil into the light. If someone takes your outer cloak, don't even withhold your tunic. St. Francis did this for us Franciscans. What Jesus is kind of saying there, you know, if someone's got the gall to take something that you really need to stay warm, give them the rest of your clothes and stand there naked so that the world may see how cruel their actions are. The list goes on. Do good to those who are your enemies. and Don't do good to others. You know, if there's evil in the world, how can we more bring the evil to light? We need to be better at doing good and being generous and good, especially to those who are doing evil. It's crazy, right? The world doesn't think that that works. And in a way, sometimes it doesn't work. That's why I brought up the example of my mother. But sometimes it has effects that we don't see. Collateral damage, if you will. <laughs> I saw it. It affected me. Doing what Jesus asks or commands is important even in a world where it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And so, the principle is when evil exists, we need to oppose it, but without doing evil ourselves. Kill it with kindness. Be better at being good. And then he goes on to another one, forgive. 
Forgive and pray for our enemies and those doing evil. That's so important. Because when evil happens and more evil and retaliation, it just is an endless cycle until it's stopped. And in order to stop it, it must be forgiven. And we ourselves must refuse to respond that way. Our world really doesn't do a real good job at that. You hear it over and over when someone is greatly wronged, they say, I want them punished. Have the full extent of the law. Jesus says, stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. In the first reading, we hear a powerful story of King David and Saul. Saul was the king. David was to succeed him. Saul knew that that was going to happen. He could see the writing on the wall, and so he was trying to kill David. And you hear in that story that David, God delivered Saul into David's hands. But he refused to punish him because he was the Lord's anointed. He took his spear and his water jug, walked back to the other side of the lines and said, the Lord delivered me into your power today, and you can see that I'm no threat to you. Later, the passage that we didn't hear, David explained to his uh, person he was with that if the Lord wants him killed, the Lord will kill him. It's not my job. It's not ours. Vengeance is the Lord's. What this passage really is saying is that our job is not to condemn people. Our job is to pray for them, to love them, to let the Lord in the final judgment do with them as he wills. That's hard. And our criminal justice systems and our punishments do make sense if they're for rehabilitation, if they're to prevent more crime or to restore justice for those who have been wronged. But if it's a punishment, If we fail to forgive others, how are we really any different than those who commit the crimes? This is challenging. And oftentimes we think these won't work. They're foolish. But the Lord commands us to do them anyway. Because he's telling us that they do work, even if you don't see how. And even if you don't see how in this life, they will reward you in heaven. And so, once again, I want to emphasize how radical this is. Jesus has gathered with his disciples at the beginning of his ministry. They're occupied by Rome. The disciples think Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman Empire with force. And he gives this sermon or homily. It's probably not a good example, but it's like Ukraine right now with Russian troops at the border. Jesus going in there and giving this homily. People are going to say, it ain't going to work. Jesus commands us, even when it looks this crazy, to do it. One thing we forget is that that little group of disciples really did overthrow the Roman Empire took 300 years, that's about five generations. Never happened in their lifetime. But through the faith, the love, following Jesus' commands, the blood of the martyrs, the Roman Empire was converted. Constantine in 312 declared Christianity the official religion of the empire. 
and it became the Holy Roman Empire. Since then, that's of course crumbled, but God established a church that continues to proclaim his love and that these do work. Perhaps you don't have the patience to wait 300 years to see the fruits of following this gospel. But Jesus says, trust. It's what I'm commanding you to do. It's going to do good and you may not see it. But you know what? On a practical level, I've seen it in smaller environments. I've seen it in our Franciscan friaries and communities where we had trouble. And when we force to forgive one another and love one another, it makes it better. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in classrooms when I taught in schools. Perhaps you've seen it in your families. Let us trust in the Lord and have the courage to be people of heaven living in the midst of this world and trust that it is better to never respond with evil, to, to evil, to act in ways that bring it to the light, to forgive those who do wrong, to pray for them, and to pray for their conversion, and to always do as much good in the world as we can so as to make the evil less powerful. Let us be children of our God, and even if it doesn't work here on earth, our reward in heaven will be great.